Boker Tov, and welcome back to another on our ongoing series of Shurim and Dafyomi. We are now in Ktubot Daf Pechet Amudbet at the last Mishnah in the ninth chapter. Uh, this Mishnah is broken up in our Gemarot into three sections that I've called on the page Tet 1, Tet 2, and Tet 3. So let's take a look at the very bottom of Amudbet. Let's say a woman came to the Beit Din and she had a get, but she did not have the Ketuba with her. In other words, she had been divorced. Uh, that was the the proof that was the get. But she did not have the ketubah with her. Gova ketubata. She can collect the ketubah. We'll see whether she can collect the whole ketubah. But she can collect the ketubah with that. Ketubah ve'ini maget. Let's say she has the ketubah, but not the get. He omer avad giti. And her claim is, I lost the get. V'hu omer avad shovari. He does not deny that he divorced her. Um, but he says that uh, I already paid the ketubah and I do not have my receipt. Let's say a balchov comes after Shemitah with a shtarchov about a, a loan that he uh, issued before Shemitah and he does not have a prusbul with it. And of course his claim is that he lost the prusbul but that the the debt was properly covered by the prusbul, so the Shemitah did not affect it. They cannot collect at all. Shemgamliel says, from the time of the great danger and on, and here the danger seems to be, as Rashi points out, a time in which there were decrees, ostensibly Roman decrees, against keeping mitzvot, and therefore people, after taking care of some uh, religious business with a document, would destroy the document, so there would not be evidence uh, that the Romans would have against them. A woman can collect a ketubah without benefit of having a get. We'll see what proof she has at all to be able to collect. And a Balchov can collect without a Prusbul. Now remember, a, a, a holding onto a get would be a religious identification, a religious activity, and therefore she would destroy that. A Balchov can certainly hold on to his note because uh, that's not a religious thing, but the Prusbul, which is, he would evidently destroy. Good, that's the first part of Mishnah Tet. Now, Shmamina Kutvin Shovar, the first thing that we can infer from our Mishnah is that we do have the custom of writing a um, a receipt. Why? Because if you say that there is no such thing as a receipt for the Ketuvah, so why don't we have a concern? In the first clause of the Mishnah, she comes with a get and no Ketuvah, we say we pay her off. So how come if this is uh, a place where we don't write a a shovar, why aren't we concerned that she's really hiding the ketubah? In this Beit Din, she comes with a get and uh, collects, and then she'll come with a ketubah to another Beit Din and collect again. Rav says this is talking, our Mishnah is talking about a case where we do not write a ketubah. We saw this earlier on in the Masechet, that there were places where they didn't write a ketubah, and rather they relied upon the Tanai Beit Din to be able to collect. Shmuel says it's even true in a place where they write a ketubah, and let's see how this works. So that means Shmuel would have to say that we write a receipt. In other words, it's a place where they write a ketubah, and therefore the woman could possibly have a ketubah that she's hiding, that she says she lost, but we're going to... Um, 
allowed, that we're going to have the uh, woman write a shovar, sorry, the husband write a shovar, the woman write a shovar that she received the money, give to the husband so that if she tries to collect again with the ketuvah, he'll have a shovar. Now, does really hold that you write a shovar? We're always concerned with that because that it means that the fellow who's paid off has to keep a shovar for the rest of his life um, and make sure it doesn't get destroyed or lost in order to protect against double collection. He said, Shmuel directly explained to me what he was talking about. If it's a location where we don't write a ketuvah, and he says, I did write a ketuvah, and therefore she uh, she cannot collect if she doesn't have one. He has to prove that he wrote it, because the the common custom there is not to write one. If it's a place where they do write a ketuvah, and she says, the reason I don't have one is because he didn't write me a ketuvah. She has to bring proof, a witnesses, to some effect that there was no ketuvah at the marriage. That's what Shmuel meant. Rav also uh, changed his mind and said that our Mishnah is not limited to a place where ain't kutvin ketuvah. What did Rav say, commenting on our Mishnah? It's true whether or not it's a place where they do or don't write it. And here's what happens. Get, if she just brings a get alone, gova ikar. She collects the 100 or 200, nothing more. Of course nothing more, because there's no evidence of what the more is, what the tosefet is. No evidence of what the um, of what the nichsimilog are, no evidence of what the tosefet is. Ktuva, if she comes and brings only a ktuva, gova tosefet. She collects everything besides the 100 and 200. Because, of course, the concern is that she will collect with her ketuvah, and then she'll go to another beitin and take the get and collect the 100 or the 200, and she the 100 to get that twice. And Rav was very confident of this ruling, and he said anybody who would like to challenge it, vakashah, can come and challenge it. Because effectively, at this point, we've got everything covered. That's what Rav's claim is. And there is no more concern, because if all we give her with the get is the time, and all if we give her with the ketuvah is everything beyond the time, there's no way that she could double collect on anything. That's Rav's claim. Now, Tanan, we have in the second half of our second part of our Mishnah, which of course our Mishnah is only part of Mishnah Tet, ketuvah ve'ini maget, hi omer tavad geti v'hu omer avad shovari, chen bal chov again, where she brings the get and says, I lost, she brings the ketubah and says, I lost the get. And he says, well, I lost the shovar, because I already did pay her off. And same thing with the balchov, her loi paru. You don't, though, in such a case, we don't collect. Now, according to Rav's latest formula, that's not accurate, because what did Rav say? That if she brings the ketubah without a get, then she is able to collect everything above and beyond the mamatayim, but not the mamatayim. So Shmuel's formula that Rav Anand explained uh, will be very easy. We'll say that this is talking about a circumstance where a place where we do not write a ketuvah, and she says, and the fellow says, I did write it, which means, again, the burden of proof is on him to say, I did write the ketuvah and let her produce it. To Amri Le'a we say to the fellow, you bring proof, if not, then Amri Le'a then you have to pay her. All right, so that, that works well. Because the uh, the idea of loi paru means that if he can bring a proof that he did write a ktuva and she doesn't have it, then they don't pay. El Rav, but according to Rav, who says in any case uh, she collects with the ktuva, she collects the beyond the manamatayim. 
So the Mishnah should say, yeah, she doesn't get the 100 and 200, but she should get everything else. Alright, so Rav Yosef suggests something here for a moment, which, as we see, will not work very well, which is that our Mishnah is talking about a case where there are no Ede Gerushin. In other words, she comes and brings the Ketuvah, that could just mean that she's married right now. She has no witness testimony whatsoever that the marriage has been dissolved. She doesn't have a get, and she doesn't have an Eid The fellow could argue back and say, I never divorced her. We're still married. He's also believed from with Amigo to say, I did divorce her and paid her off, paid her Ketuvah already. Now, how many times say, from Look at the end of the Mishnah. Rosh Hashanah said that during the times of danger, and from that point on, a woman can collect her um, her ktuvah without a get. So obviously, the circumstance in our Mishnah has got to be that Ede Gerushin are around. But the Ika Ede Gerushin is It's got to be a case. The Ileika Ede Gerushin my Gavya. Imagine this: a woman comes to the Beit Din. Without, without a get and without any testimony that she was divorced and, and, uh, and just has her ktuba and says, I want to collect. How can we pay her based on what? So it, so if Yosef has been refuted, our Mishnah must be talking about a case where there is, there are witnesses to Gerushin, which again goes back to, takes it back to Rav and says, so according to Rav, why is she not able to collect when she brings the ktuba alone? Why is she not able to collect at least the surplus as per his formula? So the The answer is that the entire Mishnah and we have to add in. There's a missing piece, and this is how it should be learned. So now, read the Mishnah as follows. If a woman brings a Ketubah without a Get, and the same thing, a Balchov brings a Shtarchov without the Prusbul, they cannot collect. That's in the case where there are no Ede Gerushin. Because, of course, what are you going to collect with? If they are Edi Gerushin, this is, of course, the way Rav would have to read it. If there are Edi Gerushin, then she can collect the Tosefet. V'ikar, as far as the Manamatayim, Imafka Gita Gavya, if she has a get also, she can collect that. Filomafka Gita Lo Gavya, without a get, she can't collect the 100 or 200. Now, and then Umisa and Sakana after the time of danger, even though she has no get, she still collects the 100, 200. In other words, that the way we're going to read the Mishnah is as follows. If she brings the Ketuvah and no get, but she has Ede Gerushin, she can collect everything beyond the Me'amai of Ta'im. If she has the get also, she collects everything. But from the time of Sakana and onwards, of course, with Ede Gerushin, if she doesn't have the get, she still collects the entire amount. Good. Now, Rav So then, these two students asked Rav, according to your shita, that a woman can collect uh, with a ketuba without a get. She can collect the tosafet. So, according to you, who said that if she brings the get, she only collects the ikar, the main amount. Let's say you have a widow. What's she gonna, how can she collect anything? Because according to you, she comes with the ketuvah, and you're not gonna allow her to collect anything, the, the base amount. So what's she gonna collect? But ede mita, the answer is she has to bring witnesses that the guy died. 
So why aren't we concerned if a woman brings testimony that the husband died, that maybe he divorced her already, and she went and got her, used her get, based on you, she went and got her, used her get and collected part of the ketubah, the, the ikar, and now that the, the now ex-husband died, she brings witnesses that he died and is going to bring her ketubah and collect the rest, which he, which was already paid off at divorced. Um... The answer is So we only allow it if it's somebody who was living in the husband's home until now. Maybe the guy divorced her just before he died. The answer is If he did that and he didn't have witnesses to the fact that he paid her off, etc., then he really did hurt himself because she can double collect. If he divorced her just beforehand and then he died and she brings witnesses that he died and therefore collects the tuba as an almanah and then takes the get to another baitin and collects it as a grusha. He really did hurt himself by divorcing her so close to his own death. Now, how do you have an almanah? How, how, how does an almanah from, uh, from a situation of Erusin, how can she collect? And after all, she does collect, as we'll see a little bit later on, but as we've seen throughout the Masechet, if the man betrothes a girl and dies, she collects at least time, if not the whole thing, the at the beginning of the fifth parak. So how can she collect? Because after all, she wasn't Yosef Tachat Bala. She was not living with the husband yet. She was in Arusa. The answer is Be'edei Mita. She has to bring witnesses that the guy died. Maybe the guy divorced her beforehand. She stayed in her father's house with the get. Then the guy died. And then she's going to bring witnesses that he died and collected as an almanah, and then bring, other, bring her get to another Beit and collect as a Grusha. Mavka Gita Vagavya. This is where we're going to eventually get to in this whole piece, which is we've been trying to avoid the need for a shovar. But here we said, here is an impossible case. You have to write a shovar. So everybody will admit that in certain certain cases you have to write a shovar. If you don't accept that, even when a, a regular almanah comes and brings witnesses that the guy died, Maybe she will take a demita, because maybe there's a, ten people who saw him die. She'll take two of them to one beitin and collect. Maybe she'll take, she will then take um, a demita to another beitin and another two, two, and two a demita that don't even know that she already collected, bring them to another beitin, they'll testify that the guy died, and she'll collect again. So it must be that we write that the, uh, the estate is given a shovar, and they have to hold on to it, and if she tries to collect again, they'll pull that out. Good. So now, So now, he asked Tuba. He said, your entire question is based on, the question we've been dealing with is, based on the premise that an Almanami Eirusin gets a ketubah. Who says she gets a ketubah? If you want to argue that it, uh, argue that, um, from the Mishnah in the uh, fifth parak, if she became, um, widowed or, or divorced, whether it was from Eirusin or Nisuin, she collects the entire thing. And then Rabbi Azariah says, if it's Minha Eirusin, it's only 100, 200. But you see that Alman Amin Eirusin collects. So maybe that's like not a case where the man voluntarily went ahead and wrote a, wrote a Ketubah, but not as an automatic that she gets it. So if you can tell me that he, if he, that it's a case where he wrote it, then what was the Havamina that she wouldn't collect it? Why would you have to say it? The answer is Lafukim and Rabbi Lazar Yadav. Our answer is Al Katav Lamanach Shu Konsat. 
Maybe the statement is to uh, stand in opposition to Rabbi Lozman Azaria, who says that if it was Minha Erusin, then she does not collect the whole thing. She just collects the Manamatayim because the reason he wrote the Tosefet was because of the marriage. As we saw um, in, in the fifth parak, it was Chibat Chuppa, Chibat Bia, etc. But so maybe it, maybe we're talking maybe the situation where she gets a ketuba as an as an arusa who became uh, widowed is only talking about a case where the husband voluntarily wrote a ketuba, but it wouldn't happen as a default. In which case, you ask why did they have to mention it at all? They had to mention it to stand in opposition to Rabbi Lozman Azariah, who says she will not collect the entire thing um, <clears throat> in Ha'irusin because he wrote the larger amount, uh, anticipating. Chupa or Bia, which never happened. Dekanami, Diktani, Gova et Akol. Actually, that's quite a quite a good read in the text because the point of the mission is to say Gova et Akol. She collects everything, and that's being said against Rabbi Lazman Azari, who says that she collects only part. And by the way, it has to be a situation where he wrote Ektuba, because that's why it says Gova et Hakol. She collects everything. Um, <clears throat> but if he did not write a ketuba, my govat hakol, what's hakol to collect? Remember, even if we say an almanam in automatically gets a ketuba, that's only 200 or 100, because we have no, nowhere to start with anything else, because we don't have a ketuba in front of us. Um, right? All she has is 100, 200. So, so far we do not have any proof that an almanam in automatically gets ketuba payment, Except in a circumstance where he went ahead and wrote the ketuba earlier than usual, it must be from this statement. If a uh, the, the distinction between an arusa and a nisua, if your your affianced um, dies, you do not uh, you're not an onain. You can eat kodshim. You're, if you're a kohen, you don't go to the funeral. She is not Onenet, and she doesn't have to go to the funeral. Omitamahlo is not an Isur, but rather a, uh, a uh, Ptur. She does not have to go to the funeral or deal with the burial. Meta, Eno Yorsha, if she dies, is an Arusa, he does not inherit her. Metu, Govaktuvata, if he dies, she collects the Ktuva. So again, so here we see, we see that, uh, an Amanami Hairusen, <laughs> Has a ktuva, as you see, she collects it. So, Dilma de Katavla, maybe that's also talking about a case where he happened to write it. And again, you will ask the question that if he wrote the ktuva, why is the mission even have to mention that she collects it? Obviously, if he wrote it and he died, then she gets the ktuva. Our only question is about a case where he didn't write a ktuva and then he died before the marriage happened, should she collect? So the answer is that we really needed it for the for the inverse inverse case. In other words, to say that um, that if he died, she collects the ktuva. Truth is, that's a no-brainer if he wrote the ktuva. But we only needed that clause to show the inverse that if she dies, he does not inherit her property. So so far, we do not have any solid proof that an almanamin eirusin does collect the ktuva, unless of course the husband wrote one. According to Rav, who is, again, where we've been focused on here, who says that if she brings the get alone, she collects the 100-200, even without the ketuba. So why aren't we concerned that she'll take the get to this beitin and collect 200? She'll take the same get to another beitin and 
collect. And again, we're trying to set up a situation where we don't write a shovar. So she'll run around beitin and beitin with her get and collect 200 from the estate in every place. Chitem and karin and so you're going to suggest, oh, maybe we tear up her get when we pay her? She said, I'll need my star. I need the get to be able to prove that I can get married again. People say, you're a married woman. I have to produce the get to say, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a free woman now. I'm uh, divorced. So the Karin and the answer is, we tear it. And then we write on top of the tear. This get we have torn. Not because it's an invalid get. She can still use the Mary. Just to prevent her from double collecting. Uh, another time. So, in other words, our solution is that if a woman bring a corner rav that says that a get alone will give her some collection, we will tear up the shtar, the get, but right over the tear, we have torn this up not to prevent her from using it to get married, but to prevent her from collecting again. And evidently, this is sealed with the seal of the beitin, so that um, so that we know what the purpose of that tear is and what she can and cannot do as a result. Okay, the next part of Mishnah Tet, let's say she brings, she comes to the Beitin and she's got two Gitin and two Ktuvot, even from the same guy. Then she collects both. Let's say she brings two Ktuvot and one Get, which means evidently that um, that uh, she, the fellow remarried her, but she's only got one Get. Or she brings two Gitin and one Ktuva, again from the same fellow. Or she brings a ktuva, she brings a get, and testimony that the fellow died. You know, there's the assumption here is that she was married to the same fellow twice. So, for instance, with a get and mita, she brings uh, the get, indicating that he divorced her. Then he must have remarried her, and then he died. Uh, we agree that she was married twice. Uh, she has two ktuvot, she has two gitin, or she has get and mita. But nonetheless, she only gets one ketuvah because the assumption is when a husband remarries his wife, divorces her, and then marries her back, that he does it based on the original ketuvah, does not write a new ketuvah, and there really is only one amount that is going to be owed. Now, Now, in the case where she has two ketuvot and one get, we said she could only collect once. But we didn't say which ketuvah she can use. Seeming evidently she can use either either ketuvah. So lema te'avetiu to Rav Nachman or Shmuel. This seems to go against Shmuel's ruling. Rav Nachman or Shmuel shnei shtarot hayotzim b'zacharzeh. We had this earlier in the Masechet. If you have two shtarot on the same field, one is earlier, one is later. Bitel sheni atarishon. The second star has canceled the first star. Obviously, when they wrote the second star, they indicate they meant to say that uh, we're not happy with the first star. We don't like the idiom on the first star. We're rewriting it, and the first one is now canceled. You can't collect twice, but you also can, can, cannot collect from the first one, which affects Shibudim, because now you have a later star and a weaker claim. So, Lavit Marlamar Papa of Nachman, the Osif but doesn't Rav Papa say that Rav Nachman and Shmuel agree that if the second star is in any way bigger, gives her more rights, gives her more land, whatever it may be, than the first one, then it's a Tosefet. In other words, the first star is still good, and the second one is intending to give her more, but not to cancel out the first one. So our situation must be where the second tuva is a larger amount than the first, and therefore she can choose which one to collect from, either the later one, which limits her rights, but it has more money in it, or the earlier one, which expands her rights, but has less money in it. 
that's the case we're talking about, at least according to Shmuel, it cannot be a case where the two votes are exactly the same, in which case we would have to say that the first one's been cancelled. Tanorbanan, Hutsia get uktuva umita. So now it's just an expansion on the end of the Mishnah, that if she brought a get, a ktuva, and testimony that he died, in get code of the if the get predates the ktuva, go vashtek to vote. She collects two to vote. Why? Because that means that the that he divorced her, then married her again. We now have a ktuva from a later point, and obviously he wrote her a new ktuva for the second marriage. So she should be able to collect her ktuva from the first marriage, and now this one. Ktuva kodemel get, but if the ktuva predates the get, then inakova el ktuva chat. She only collects one. When a man remarries his wife, uh, he is. Uh, unless we know differently, he's building it upon the original ktuva. And therefore, if the get postates the ktuva, the ktuva is from the original marriage. He he remarried her, and uh, and that's what the edemitah are, that the, now she became widowed. But it was all based on one ktuva. Okay, and the last bit of the Mishnah, and the end of the parak, katan shi siaviv. Let's say that a katan was married off by his father. <clears throat> After they become of age, the ktuva is maintained, and we don't say it was written for a katan, and without writing a new ktuva, there is no ktuva here except for the base amount. Shemanat ken kima, because that's exactly why they stayed together. And the same thing as gershin kara ishtoimo. Let's say a, ger, a, a, a guy, a non Jew, get marries, and he writes her a marriage contract, and then they convert together. She still has claims to that same amount that was written then. Um, Shamanat Ken Kima, because that's exactly why they stayed together based on that original Tuva. And we don't say that it's been cancelled, then they only get the base amount if there's a divorce later. Now, Amar Avuna, Loshanu Elam Manematayim. Avuna says that the collection is only for the base amount. The girl who was married to the Katan, and now they're both of age, and no new Tuva was written, the Tosefet that was added in, she does not get. For Yehuda Amar, Afilo Tosefet Yeshla. Yehuda says, no, she gets the entire Tuva. So, Meitave, we have a challenge to this, to Rav, Rav Yehuda. Chidsho, if there was something new added in, notalat mashichidshu. <clears throat> Let's say that the, uh, that the, again in our case, a katan, the ktuva was written, and then when they became of age, they added anything onto the first ktuva. They wrote another star and said, and adding onto that ktuva is another thousand dollars, or whatever it may be. Then she collects what was added, only what was added. But only the stuff was added, not not the original stuff. So that sounds like it supports Rav Huna that all she essentially collects is the manamatayim. And if they add anything else after he is of age, or in the other case, after the fellow becomes Jewish, then she gets to collect only that added piece. So, Ema Afmashichichu. But so maybe what it means is Afmashichichu. In other words, Rav Huna will defend himself saying that she collects everything, and if they add anything else, she collects that too. But that's not the way that the expanded version of that statement reads. The proper reading is that if they added something, she collects what they added. If they didn't add anything, she only gets the base amount, clearly supporting Rav Huna. The answer is to you, Rav Yehuda. You're right, Rav Yehuda has been refuted. So the answer is Rav Yehuda was fooled by our Mishnah. He thinks that when the uh, our Mishnah said he meant the whole thing. 
All it was referring to was the base ketubah, the manamatayim, but the rest was lost, indeed, supporting Rav Huna's read. So everybody should have a wonderful day. We finished the ninth parak, Baruch Hashem, and in the next podcast we'll pick up with the tenth parak.